right, so we have a new scripture memory verse for the month, John eleven twenty five. So if you don't mind, let's all stand up and we'll say it together until it's memorized. So we have 45 minutes. All right. So, no. All right, you ready? <clears throat> Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. All right, let's do it again. All right. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. John eleven twenty five through 27 That is a great thing to remember. I remember uh, <clears throat> a good, good brother of mine, Scott Steinman, has that as his, as his uh, message on his answering, you know, on a cell phone. You know, um, I'm, the resur- uh, um, I'm the resurrection of the light and the life, and he goes through that. Do you believe this? Ah, leave me a message. I'm like, ah, it's so good. He's so much better than me. It's so not fair. Okay, you guys can sit. Yeah, unless you want to stand the whole time. That's a way to make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> stand right here. Um, all right. <clears throat> all right, so a few things to go through. Um, first of all, second of all, that was first. Second of all, I just want to take the opportunity to praise God for his great goodness. His healing, excellent power. His grace poured out into our lives. He hears our prayers. Donna Vanderplug was here this morning. She was here in church. She was at a place, if you guys don't know, she was at a place where a while back she had sent a message out on Facebook and she was really in despair. And um, some faithful people in the church had set up a time for us to go and pray, pray together. And that effectual, fervent prayer of God's righteous people avails much. It does a lot. The Lord's door is open for us. You know, that's why we can't push it enough. Enter in, enter in, enter in. Trust God, He's good. Trust God, He's good. The Lord hears us, and He does great and miraculous things. You know, He's so amazing. I was like, thanks, Donna, great. I'm preaching. As soon as I saw her, I was like, I broke. I just broke, I, I was like, I'm not even going to be able to talk. That's perfect. I can't talk anyway. Now I'm going to be blubbering all over the place. And so, uh, so uh, it's so good. The Lord is so good to us. Um, anyway, all right. Yeah, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> let's kick this off for the third thing um, with prayer. All right. Lord, I just praise You. I praise You, Father. can't praise You enough. Um, as thank you that we can just enter in, that we can be with our Father, that we can present a request to you, that we can bear our hearts to you. You know every thought. You know where we were before we, before we knew you. And uh, you died for us. You gave us life. And you've given us everything. 
And so I just praise you, Father, and thank you. I pray that you would work through your word today, that I would be out of the way, but you would work through your word to encourage us to get to know you better, know who you are as our king, know who you are as our, as our savior, and, uh, and that we would, we would take what we have, the knowledge that we have in you, and we would, we would make it effective and fruitful for your kingdom. So I praise you, Father. I pray that you would work in all of us, that we could be the bright shining light, the city set on a hill, your church, glorifying and just resembling you in everything. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So, um, funny story, right? So I was, uh, Steve asked me last week to preach. And so I was like, all right, cool, because we did the tag team thing um, last week. So he asked me if I would cover this week, because I usually do the last Sunday of the month. If you guys want to remember that, put that on the calendar. So if you're sick that day, or maybe, you know, you're looking for a good reason to not go to church. Um, but, uh, and so I was like, all right, great. So, you know, sometimes you struggle, you're, you know, I'm, I'm trying, all right, Lord, what do you want? What do you want the church to know? What do you, what is it that you, you know, and I, and I really seek the Lord about those kind of things. Where does he want to go with this? Um, because I tend to be, you know, once a month, it's hard, it, it's easier to be a topical preacher, you know, so it's hard to follow through and just go through passages because it's, it's like spread way out. <laughs> you know, we'll get through First John in like 2026, you know, and it's not even a big book. But, uh, but it's, um, so anyway, so like, you know, and, and, and I, I took some time. I, I, I was able to get here. I spent some time just seeking the Lord, got some stuff going. I was writing, taking a bunch of notes, getting stuff all together. I was like, oh, this is good. It's coming together really well. So, so I get here Friday. Um, I spent a lot of time. Here's all my notes. It's my notes, pages of notes. I didn't type them out yet. So, um, <clears throat> so Saturday is usually my day to come here and spend the day and really just make sure everything, hone it as best that I can. And, but I had a memorial service yesterday up in New York State, two and a half hours away. So I'm up there. I don't get here till six o'clock. So I'm like, all right, but I got a lot. Like things are good. I feel pretty comfortable. I'm like, all right, you know, this would be good. Sometimes it's not like that, you know. It's 10 o'clock on Saturday, and I'm going, oh, oh my goodness, you know, is this going to come together? <laughs> and uh, um, and so I was like, all right, things are good. So I start typing things out, taking scripture, putting it, you know, putting it all together. I come down into the lobby and get a cup of coffee, and there I see these. It's Palm Sunday. I didn't realize it was Palm Sunday. So my whole message is not Palm Sunday. Um, so I was like, all right, seven o'clock, I switched gears. And I'm like, I gotta do something to honor this. This is a big day for the church. You know, it's a big day. This is, this is Jesus fulfilling scripture and Jesus telling us, not with just his words, but with the fulfillment of the, the scriptures, who he is. And that is so important because he comes into Jerusalem and he proclaims really without saying anything, he's proclaiming that he's king. And that's, so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. And I won't, that won't be the whole thing. You know, we'll honor Palm Sunday, but I have a bunch of notes that I probably would like to, to get to. Hopefully they can tie together well. Um, 
compartmentalizing the scripture, you know, all these little pieces that don't really attach. That's not the goal. We don't want that. All right. So let's, um, I have a little video. It's about a minute long and it's just really just to give us kind of a visual, may as well take advantage of all the visual stuff that we have. This kind of helps us see what was going on that morning or that day in, in, uh, in the gospels. So go ahead, Dan or David. Not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from death. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus too, because on his account many Jews were rejecting them and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the Passover festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Praise God. God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord. God bless the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and rode on it, just as the scripture says. Do not be afraid, city of Zion. Here comes your king, riding on a young donkey. disciples did not understand this at the time, but when Jesus had been raised to glory, they remembered that the scripture said this about him, and that they had done this for him. The people who had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from death, had reported what had happened. That was why the crowd met him because they heard he had performed this miracle. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, we are not succeeding at all. Look, the whole world is following him. But that's, I think the visual stuff really helps sometimes. You know, I know for us, we were doing this whole uh, Gospel of John and men's Bible study for a while. And it's one thing to read it. But it's another thing to kind of see it in action. And it really helps us to kind of see like, oh, that's, you know, there's a lot of interesting things there. there now, there's a lot of stuff. And, and a lot of us have been in church for a long time. You know, we've, we've heard the, you know, uh, all about Palm Sunday and that kind of stuff. But but maybe there are some things in there that we never really kind of got a hold of. You know, why are they throwing these palm branches before him? And why did they, they get a, a, a colt and untie it and steal it from some poor guy? Steal a poor colt, you know, it's like, how cool. Um, but I have actually heard that from, I forget, some atheist or something. I was like, well, how's that? You know, he's stealing, stealing somebody's property. And... Uh, <clears throat> But we'll touch on a few of those things. I think that it's important. We'll get a little bit of of the history and the value of these little details because these are fulfillments of Scripture. Like I said before, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and into ultimately the temple, it wasn't just to to come into Jerusalem, but it was to come into the temple. If you read in all of the Gospels have a representation of this. It's so funny because Mark is the shortest one. If you know anything about Mark, the Gospel of Mark, he tends to like really be kind of like 
boom, boom, boom. Very condensed. This is how it is, you know. And, uh, but he leaves out. He, like, he says, and Jesus entered into the temple and looked around, and it was late. Then he left. It's like, hey, you're missing a big part there, Mark, because John and um, Luke and Matthew all have that he went in, and that's when he cleansed the temple. He overturned the tables and the money changers and those kind of things. That was the time when he did that. And that means something super important. And uh, so let's look at a, a little bit of the, the details here and what he was, what was being fulfilled and what, they, what these things meant. And so let's read Luke 19, 28 through 44. <clears throat> it's a reiteration of what we just watched, but it doesn't hurt to go through the word over and over and over again, right? <clears throat> So Luke 19, 28 through 44. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of, his, of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it, um, so those who, yeah, who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Now remember, he's coming, uh, um, I believe it's Luke who references him raising Lazarus from the dead prior to this. This crowd is formed not only for Passover, but because of the works that he has done. They have seen this and they're realizing this is beyond what, um, what any mortal person could do like they're seeing something and it's like this is beyond that um, <clears throat> and so and then it, then they say blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest and some of the pharisees in the crowd said to him teacher rebuke your disciples and he answered i tell you if these were silent the very stones would cry out and so we'll stop there for a sec because i want to touch on that that being kind of the, the statement of the people being kind of the, the crux of what we're talking about. And all of the accounts, there, there are, there's a little bit, little bit of differences there. Um, but I want to just go through those accounts and then we'll touch on some of the, the uh, aspects of what was that narrative that was talked about and him taking the colt and throwing the cloaks and that kind of stuff. So in Luke, like I said, it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then in Matthew, it says, Hosanna. We know what Hosanna means, right? What's Hosanna mean? Save now, save now right? Salvation, it's save us. Save now to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Mark says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And John says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So this is the king of Israel entering in 
to the rightful place, his rightful place to take his place in the temple. And so that is such an important thing for us to get a hold of. But let's look at, let's look at what was going on in, in this narrative that's presented to us with uh, the, the cult and all that kind of stuff. There was a, there's a thing called uh, eminent domain. Is it imminent? Imminent? No, it's eminent. This wouldn't be imminent domain. Um, but eminent domain, where, you know, so like the government can come and take some of your property if, it's, if they need it kind of thing. And uh, that's generalized. But, but in the Old Testament, when there was a king who needed something, if he needed a, a ride, kind of, you know, um, he'd get the, the Uber. But no, he would, he, would, he would be able to go and he would be able to say, listen, I need that to do my duty. And so the people would say, yeah, here you go. It's his right to do that. And that it's interesting that, that Jesus says, yeah, just go do this. Go untie that colt and just tell him the Lord has need of it. It's like the people were like, okay. And uh, Bill Hartman, it's funny because uh, he's in the first service. If you guys don't, don't know Bill, um, he's okay to get to know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but he, he was like, so, so let's equate this to like, modern day. So somebody comes, they take the keys to your car, they go get your car, they take your car, and they, they start your car up, and you go, hey, that's my car. Why are you taking my car? And, uh, and you just sit and say, well, the Lord has need of it. And they're like, yeah, 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 go ahead. I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it, you know. But, uh, but at the time, you got to understand the culture. You know, there is a reality to this idea of kingdom and the history of the Jewish people. You know, there's an understanding of that. And a lot of these people are seeing these prophecies being fulfilled. And they're crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. They're seeing these things being fulfilled. So that's an interesting thing. <clears throat> and then the, the throwing of the, the, the palm branches, I believe the, the branches, when they are held up, it's a sign of victory. It's a sign of victory. You know, throughout the Old Testament, it was a sign of victory. And the cloak, the clothing, which is interesting also. So if you look back, it's in, in Kings 9.13, 2 Kings 9.13. You have to bring it up. Um, Ahab, who was a terribly wicked king, was being replaced by Jehu. And at that time, when Jehu was coming out, he was walking down the steps. People were taking their outer garments off and putting them down in front of him. It's a thing to do. It's like laying out the red carpet and saying, my substance is under your control. My, who I am, what I am, all that I have belongs to you. It's under your control. And so these people are, are doing that thing. They're, they're laying it out before Jesus and he's coming on a donkey. So we'll get to the donkey right? You would think like, okay, so here's a king coming into a place and he's going to, he's going to, um, he's essentially establishing, you know, and, and the old kingdom is being destroyed and he's coming in and he's, he's becoming the, this is a new kingdom. And, uh, and, but he's coming in on a donkey, you know, and it's so interesting because again, not only is this a fulfillment of scripture and a testimony of who Jesus really is, it means something other than that. So let's read in Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. 
says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. And the gospel writers allude to this passage. They refer back to this passage. So we're confident this is what it is. Shout out, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, what does that mean? I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. He shall rule, his rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is not a kingdom that is established like the kingdoms of this world. It's a whole different thing. This is a kingdom established in peace. The chariot, the war horse, the bow, they're all signs of this coming in in power and, and this just taking over and just this forcible control over people and making them subject to your kingdom. That's not what he's about. He brings peace. This is awesome. So he's on the, the donkey fulfilling this because it means peace. This is not an animal of war. It's an animal of peace. So it's an interesting thing. You know, when you start to break, th- break this stuff down and go through it, it's really pretty cool. Um, and then the, uh, in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, <clears throat> and these are verses that we usually will hear about or read on, you know, uh, maybe um, Christmas, you know, usually. But, uh, but I think this, this says a lot. In Isaiah uh, 9, 1 through 7, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations or the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. On them has light shone. Uh, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot, boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So we see that Jesus has already established that he's a king. And he's also establishing that he's a king of peace. He is the prince of peace, but it's not only peace. You know, if you look back and um, we won't, we won't look back into it, but we'll just mention it in Ezekiel and Ezekiel's talking about a temple. And uh, hopefully I get this right. Um, At some point, the temple or or the, the glory um, had, well, that would be Ichabod, right? The glory has left the temple. When Jesus comes back in and enters the temple, the glory enters back into the temple. 
That's so cool. Because if you look at the little details of that whole thing, the glory goes to where Bethany is, the Mount of Olives. It goes to where the Bethany is. And it comes back from Bethany into the temple. It's very cool stuff. It's so cool. God's word is true and right. We can trust it in every way. It's so good. We've got to dig in. We've got to dig in. That's why it's, we're always up here. And this is a, a verse, it's, it's funny because um, I kind of feel, I guess, well, I don't really feel like Peter, probably, because he's talking about this in Second Peter. He's, he, um, he says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. And he's talking about qualities that we'll touch on in a little bit in Second Peter. It's like one of my favorite passages, really, at Second Peter. And uh, and it says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir up by way of reminder. You know, like that's, that's what we're doing up here. It's just stirring up as way of a reminder, you know. Um, and uh, I was talking to uh, somebody what, this week, maybe, I think it was. And, uh, and they said, you know, that they never sit there and go, oh, I heard this before, so I don't want to hear it anymore, you know, kind of thing. And that's really is the case, at least for me. I don't recall hearing a message and going, eh, I, don't, I, I already got that, you know, because so, we always need to be stirred up, reminded of these things, even though we know them, you know, and it's Peter, it's, it's great because Peter was like, when he's saying this, it's great, that's probably the wrong terminology, but just ignore I said that. Um, he is, he, this is what he says after it. He says, um, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And then he says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Ah, it's so good. And we have it. And so, so we have two things, right? In this, this idea of, this, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, this triumphant entry, we call it triumphant. You know, we learn a little bit about like how, it's, how the, the scripture is being fulfilled and, and, the, and all that. Um, but then in, at the end of that portion in Luke, in Luke 41 through 44, I think Jesus helps to establish um, the fact that he's not just a king, but he's a king that brings peace. And he says, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. As Jesus looking at Jerusalem, and we look back at what Paul says, and he, he says that, I wish that I would be cursed for my brothers, you know, because they have everything. Everything has been given to them. They had the law, they had the prophets, they have all of these things, and they missed it. And Jesus is looking at the city going, you missed it. You missed it. And he says, would that you even, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that, were, that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. And this is a cool allusion to, if you guys haven't done the history, we did it in men's Bible study, which I love. So good. If you can make it out to men's Bible study, it's so good. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but this allusion, he's talking about what's going to happen to Jerusalem. But he says, but now, and this, is, this, is, ha, this has happened. This isn't a revelatory kind of thing for, for now. Um, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you 
when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. They missed it. Because of that, destruction came instead of peace. But Jesus is still the king of peace. You know, he's still this kingdom of peace. And so let's talk about that a little bit. What peace, um, what this kingdom looks like, right? His kingdom is, is definitely different than the kingdoms of this world. We saw that. He's not coming on a horse for victory, for battle, but he's bringing something different. And in Luke 17, 20 through 21, um, he's being, Jesus is being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And John 18, uh, 36 Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. He's talking to, to Pilate there. That I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. His kingdom is, is antithetical to the kingdoms of this world. You know, we read throughout the scripture, love not the world, that, um, that our battle is, you know, we, we face this, this, uh, this wickedness that's in the world. Everything in the world is twisted and corrupt. It's because of the fall. Because of, because of the fall, when Adam disobeyed God, sin came into the world and corrupted everything. This world is corrupt. The kingdoms of this world bring different things than the kingdom of God. They bring an author authoritarian rule. They bring things that, that, are, 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 um, that are all about power or compulsion or bondage or lying, cheating, murdering, fighting to get what they want. We, we, we watched on Friday nights, we've just finished up the series, a 10-part series that took us about 15 weeks to finish. And, uh, but it was Francis Schaeffer, How Should We Then Live? And in the last couple videos, if there's any that you watch, watch those last two videos. They're so good. Um, I encourage you to look at that. It's on YouTube. You can watch it all. They're short, but they're so full of, of good truth, good, solid stuff we can get a hold of. But Francis Schaeffer, he... He says that we, we really have two options. We ha really have two options, and this is, these are the, this is the, the difference in the kingdoms. We have an option where the, um, the world is set up on moral absolutes. Moral absolutes being things that are established that are beyond humanity. Those are God's ways. That's how God sets up his kingdom. Man sets up his kingdom on arbitrary rules or absolutes, they might call them, but they're arbitrary. They change with the person because people are corrupt. This is like, these are such basic truths for us to get a hold of. Moral absolutes that are transcendent above us. Man can't set that stuff up. Jesus is setting that up. He's given us those things. And if we, we get a hold of those things, we walk in those things, we're submitted, we're under his authority.
We're in His kingdom. The world offers none of that. The world offers lies. It offers bondage. It offers darkness, death. I mean, it, it provides nothing. So God's kingdom is different than that. So it's a kingdom of peace. So we've established this kingdom. We've said it's peace. But what does peace look like? What does the peace really mean? I was, uh, was thinking about this. I forget. I was listening to um, maybe a pastor talk about something. It wasn't Steve. Uh, I never listened to Steve. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but, but, uh, but I was listening to something on YouTube or whatever. And... Uh, <clears throat> Oh, no, it was in Bible, in Bible study. That's what it was. And I, just uh, as people were talking, I was thinking about things. And, um, and then I had watched a short from, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Paul Washer? It was Paul, right? Yeah, Paul Washer. And uh, it was just a short. So I didn't see the whole, path, the whole like, teaching. Now, I know what his teachings are. I like his teachings. He's a solid guy. He, he, he puts his... He, um, his money where his mouth is, really. He's out there serving the Lord. And so, um, good stuff. But this short was like, and this is this kind of paraphrase. So it was, it's shorter than the short, um, that the gospel is all that everything is about. It's just the gospel. It's the gospel. And it was just this reiteration. Of, and I'm going, okay, I get that. But you have to define that. What's the gospel? What's the good news? And we did that. We did that, you know, a few weeks ago. What is the good news? Is it just that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave? And okay, good. We're good. Man, I think the gospel, the good news is more than that. What did that do? And what does this peace that we have in Christ, what has that done? What does that even mean that we have peace with God now? That we are in his kingdom of peace. It's so much more than saying, Lord, Lord. But it's like, it's, it's, we have, we have, we're new creations created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's good news. We have these great and precious promises that we can't even, we don't even know what we're going to be when we get there, but we can be confident. We have hope because we know that God is good. Like this is, this is all good news. The gospel means good news. It starts with that message of you need Christ. But then what does Christ do? Man, he changes us. He takes that broken corruption that we're born with. We're born with that. Because of the, the sin of Adam, we're born corrupt. He takes that. We're part of the world. We're born into the kingdom of this world. He takes that and he changes it. And he makes us new creations in Christ Jesus. That's so awesome. Amen. So awesome. It's so much more than just the, um, oh, I believe in Jesus kind of thing. You know? And I would say that there's, there's a lot of folks, um, well, maybe not. I, I have to be so careful because I, I tend to generalize and then indict the whole church, you know, in general. And so I, I don't want to be doing that. But, uh, but, I, but I, I, I'd venture to say that there's a, a, a number of people, maybe not in this congregation, but in the church at large, who are in that place where they just say, Lord, Lord, but they don't know him. You know, that's a bad place to be. You know, and uh, I was talking to um, 
my, I don't know what he would be, he's my, my cousin's dad. <clears throat> he's not related to me, so it's marriage thing. But uh, he's like, oh, I saw him yesterday at the memorial service, and I haven't seen him for years. And he's like, oh, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of God, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, cool. He's like, yeah, I watch Joel, Joel Osteen. I watch him every Sunday. I watch him maybe twice a Sunday. And then he, he goes, hopefully he's not watching this. Um, but uh, <laughs> I forget it's videoed. I'm like, uh, but, uh, but then he goes, he goes, yeah, but, you know, I curse and I'm a pervert, but God's okay with that. And I'm going, oh, it's like, dude, you're missing the point. And here's a person who thinks he's okay. He's in the kingdom, right? But he's not bearing fruit. And that was really where I wanted to go with this message. Um, I got a few minutes left, and so we'll be able to touch on it a bit. Is that we can be in church. We can be around church people. And it's like, it's like as, a, as an arborist, my first message that I preached here. Of course, I remember it. Um, <clears throat> But I used a prop, and I, I was using pruning techniques and things like that and explaining what happens with, with pruning and why it helps produce fruit and why you take the limbs off and all that stuff. And uh, I, mean, I just want to touch on one thing with that, and I don't have any props. So um, the first thing that I do if, I'm, if my plan is to prune a tree, regardless whether it's for fruit or, or flowers or whatever, is I take the dead wood out got to take the dead wood out. Now, God is the one who prunes. But it suggests that there's dead wood. People don't know they're dead, but they're not receiving anything from the vine. There's nothing there. And another aspect of dead wood on a plant is that it's, it's, an, it's an access point for disease and for decay. And so it's bad if our church is filled with people who don't have a solid understanding of who Christ is, and that's why we're, our job is to remind people. We want to encourage you, you know, and to think, are we bearing fruit? That should be our question. Are we bearing fruit? You know, and if we're not bearing fruit, then maybe it's time for us to examine ourselves and to see if we're in the faith. And this isn't a guilt trip, but it's something that I, you know, like, it's so important. We're not just saved to be saved. We're not just saved to enter in. You know, it's not just for us. It's not even for, for us. It's for His glory. We're, we're created for His pleasure, right? And so, so it's so important for us to get a hold of that. And we want to bear much fruit if we can, but at least bear fruit. And so, <clears throat> so I have a, oh, did I grab it? Yeah, I did. Uh, sorry, I'm, I printed one extra piece of paper out. Hold on. I didn't. Oh, all right. Well, we will just go to the, my Bible. Um, and let's turn to, I, I gave it to Dan, actually. I think I left it there. Um, <clears throat> let's turn to that passage in Peter, Second uh, Peter where it says in Second Peter, uh, Peter, verse 3, and we'll just read on. Um, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. 
Now think about that. His divine power is granted everything for life and godliness. It's His divine power. And it's through what? It's through our knowledge of the Lord who called us. We need to know Him. We need to know who He is. We need to trust Him. We need to dig into His Word so we can know Him. We need to spend time with Him so we can know Him. Why do we want to know Him? Because that's what we need to do if we want to have everything that we need for life and godliness. And we got it with Him. Um, by, his, by which He has granted to us, oh, I love this, His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Is that good news? Man, partakers of the divine nature attached to the vine. When a branch, a branch is taking from the roots, from the vine, it's partaking of the nature of that plant. It's what it is. If we abide in him, we become divine, uh, uh, partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption which is in the world because of sinful desire. That sinful desire, it's the corruption because of what the Lord has done. That's good news. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. This is such a good list of stuff. This is so good because this isn't just something that is, you know, you read it and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. This is a daily, consistent walk of, a faith, of an effective, fruitful Christian. And it says, add to your faith or supplement your faith. That's like, like you're not superseding faith. Your virtue doesn't supersede it. The things that are on this list, they don't supersede one another. They're built on one another and they work side by side with one another. It's a consistent growth. So add to your faith. You believe in Christ and who he is. Now add to that virtue, good works. What are you doing with it? Do the right things. And then add to your virtue, knowledge. Dig in, get to know him more. Get to know what you, you, you want to look back in the Old Testament and see, wow, this is so cool because this leads to Christ. How does this all work? Add to your uh, virtue, knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And this is an interesting thing because self-control, not just in the discipline to, you know, just, um, you know, I, I wish I had more discipline. John uh, Shiloh is a good example because he's, He's pretty good discipline. I'm pointing at you, yes. Uh, stand up. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm always impressed by people who are like, listen, yeah, I'm, I'm going to change my diet because, yeah, I'm not happy with the way things are going. And I'm like, awesome. Me? I'm like, eh, boy, that sounds good. But man, I like pizza. You know? And it's like, so I, uh, you know, but... But not only is it that kind of discipline, I think because it's a supplement to your knowledge, I think there's something about that self-control is that knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. You're adding to your knowledge self-control that I don't come and be like, listen, I know this stuff and you're wrong. And start speaking things that are, that are 
detrimental to the, to the growth of other people, but let every word be unto the edification of everyone else. That's what we should be doing. Self-control in how we speak and then what we know. It's important. Um, self-control with steadfastness. Just keep doing it. Stay faithful to these things. Just learn that. Just keep building that into your life. Steadfastness with godliness. Bearing the traits, the qualities, the character qualities of our Lord. Godliness. Doing those things that represent Him. And brotherly affection. Brotherly kindness. You know, it's pretty easy to, to like, like people here. You know, most of you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but brotherly affection comes, comes you know, uh, you can have that, but you need, to, you need to work on that sometimes. But that's the brothers, the brothers, sisters, that close-knit family kind of thing. But then on top of that, add to brotherly affection, love. And love is like the ultimate, right? Is that, and now it was so cool, I had an opportunity to listen to uh, C.S. Lewis for about three hours yesterday, the whole screw tape letters, Joss Ackland too. The, the best, the best reader for that. <laughs> it's so good. And, uh, and he made a point and it was so cool. And it, he was talking about charity and unselfishness. And he was saying, charity isn't the same thing as unselfishness. Love isn't the same thing as unselfishness. You would think, wow, that does it. how does that fit? Unselfishness can look like this. Oh, you want me to do that? I really don't want to do that, but you know, all right, I'll do it because I love you. Love looks like this. Oh, you want me to do that? Oh, I, I want to do that because I, I want to make you happy. I want to please you. It's a little bit different. It's nuanced, but it's different. Begrudgingly doing something just to be unselfish and then doing something because you really care about them. It's different. And so, yeah, so love is so important. And then check this out. And again, this is, uh, I would encourage you, and I was going to do it, and I know we got this, this um, the scripture memory verse already, but I was going to print it out, this passage, but I would encourage you guys to get a hold of this passage, print it out, and look at it every day. Look at it every day, because this is a list of how to not be ineffective and unfruitful in our knowledge. We know Jesus. We know who he is. Let's be effective with that knowledge. Be, a, be fruitful with that knowledge. And he said this, so we'll finish up with this. <clears throat> For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Increasing suggests work. We need to work. Work these things out, you know. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's good news. We can do that. The power of the Holy Spirit 
with God's word? What are we doing with the knowledge that we have of him? If we're not bearing fruit, we've got to really consider where are we at? What does it look like? You know, we have the fruit of the spirit and all that stuff. But you know, you know, right? The Lord will reveal.